Well, you know, around here at City Church, it's not uncommon for hundreds of new people to be on a search for God. And the reasons for those searches vary. Maybe you want your life to thrive in the way that Josie did and what Tabitha did for her. Wasn't that an unbelievable story? I didn't hear you guys applaud that at all. Yeah, that was unreal. Let me tell you, if you get that story, you get what this series is all about. It's encapsulated right there. Anyway, maybe you want your marriage to work out or you want to raise your kids with values, or maybe you're just trying to get out of debt or overcome an addiction or improve your ability to relate to other people so that maybe somebody will actually like you, or you're looking for happiness, and so you thought, I've tried everything else, I'll give God a try. If you're making a new search for God, I think you're making a wise choice. But I also know that religion can make finding God far more confusing than we might have anticipated. You didn't know the Bible would be so hard to understand. You didn't anticipate that it would take so long and require so much effort to make change in your life. You didn't expect organized religion to get in the way of your pursuit of God. At the same time, I'm pretty sure that while many are searching for God, some are thinking about walking away from him because you've gotten skeptical about this whole religion thing anyway. Uh, maybe you grew up in a Christian family like I did, and since you've left home, uh, you've started to have doubts about the legitimacy of what you were taught about God or about the Bible or science, and maybe you've come to disagree with the social agenda of people who call themselves Christian, and I get that. Because y'all, let's admit, when we read the news all around the world, there are a lot of bad things happening in the name of religion. And religious people aren't always good people. I know you guys are, but not every religious person is. And so what I've discovered is, is that a lot of religious people struggle with the very same things that irreligious people struggle with. Well, wherever you are with God, searching or skeptical, maybe you've wondered why does religion have to be so confusing? Why can't it be simple? Not simplistic or unrealistic, but why can't religion make simple sense? In fact, you might be thinking that if religion were simple, you'd do it. If someone could just give you a path that's reasonable and that you could understand and believe in, you'd be happy to walk down that path. You know, as someone who's been at this for over 50 years, I admit that religion can be confusing. There are some complexities to our religion. But I recently came across a verse in the New Testament that I believe makes religion simple. It gives us a clear path to follow. And that verse is Galatians 5, 6, in which the Apostle Paul said this, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Now, the reason Paul wrote this verse was because the people that he was writing to 
like many of us, were confused about how to pursue God in their lives. So Paul wrote to clarify the core of simple religion. And essentially, he told them that they would find God at the intersection of faith and love. Faith and love are the signposts of the Christian religion. And that's why Paul said the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters. Could I say it one more time? Would it help make the point? The only thing that matters. In fact, you say it with me. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. So over the next two weeks, I'm going to try to unpack what Paul meant. And here's why. If our religion isn't simple, it can easily become the monotonous repetition of good things that leave us confused. But if we understand what faith expressing itself in love means, then our religion will have a positive impact on us and on everyone who comes into contact with us. And y'all, isn't that what religion is supposed to do anyway? So let's pray. And we'll get started on this issue of faith. God, I pray that tonight you would engender faith in us. Make it real to us. Especially for those who are searching for you and for those who are considering walking away. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So our verse for these next two weeks is Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. But today, we're only looking at the issue of faith, not the whole verse. And so we're going to answer the question, what does faith have to do with our religion? Well, the word faith and its verb form to believe are two words that are used over 500 times in the New Testament alone. This is a core religious word. And while a lot of Bible teachers have tried to make the word faith complicated, its meaning is actually quite simple. According to Zane Hodges, the former head of the Department of New Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary and the editor of the majority Greek text, he said that to have faith in something or to believe in something means that you have confidence in it. He said you can substitute the word confidence for faith. It's that simple. For example... If you're confident that the seat you're sitting in right now isn't going to collapse under you, then you are practicing faith right now. And nobody stood up. If you have faith that your spouse loves you, then you're confident that he or she won't cheat on you. If you have faith that your job is secure, then you might decide to go out uh, with confidence to sign a contract on that new house you've been talking about buying or that vehicle that you wanted to replace the old one with. You're practicing faith. Faith is not a mysterious word. It's a concept that we use all the time. We practice it every day. 
So let's plug the word confidence into Galatians 5, 6. Paul said that when it comes to religion, the first thing that matters is our confidence. But Paul obviously isn't talking about a general air of confidence in ourselves. He's talking about confidence in God and what God has done in Jesus Christ. If you're going to practice the Christian religion, then you have to have confidence in what God has done through Jesus. It boils down to that. But is it reasonable to have that kind of confidence? You know, a lot of people are saying today that we shouldn't even believe there is a God. They claim that science has proven that God doesn't exist. They say to the, that to believe in God is to be weak mentally and it's to be uh, dependent and fool ourselves emotionally into hoping that some God will help us solve our problems. And they would argue that since there is no God, Jesus was delusional because he claimed that he came from God. Just for the record, I don't agree with those who deny God, but... I have to have some reasons for my confidence, and I do. There are three reasons that I personally have faith in God, and they are at the core of the Christian religion. And I'm convinced that if you and I are going to find God, you're going to have to consider these three things as well, because these three things make faith simple. And so, I want to spend the rest of this talk laying out for you the three reasons that you can have faith or confidence in God, okay? So number one, you can be confident that God exists. Now, it may surprise you that the Bible does not try to prove the existence of God. The Bible assumes God's existence, but do we even need the Bible to prove God's existence anyway? Maybe not. In 1916, Albert Einstein didn't like where his calculations regarding gravity were leading him. In his gen if his general theory of relativity was true, it meant that the universe was expanding, which Einstein knew implied that the universe had a finite beginning and a cause outside itself. Einstein didn't want to discover that. He wanted to believe in, a, in a, a, a universe that had existed always. Well, 11 years later, astronomer Edwin Hubble, looking through his 100-inch telescope at Mount Wilson Observatory in California, discovered a redshift in the light from every observable galaxy. The redshift proved that all galaxies that we can observe, at least the ones we can observe, are moving away from a singular starting point in the distant past. Overwhelmed by the evidence that was mounting, Einstein himself went to look through Hubble's telescope and he saw what Hubble saw. And the implication was clear to him, something outside the universe started the universe. Today, we call this beginning of the universe the Big Bang. And you thought it was just a sitcom. 
The Big Bang says that prior to this singular event, prior to this singular event called the Big Bang, neither space nor time nor matter of any kind existed. And based on the law of causality that says that anything that comes into existence must have a cause, scientists concluded there must be a non-material cause to the material world. Einstein himself admitted, although begrudgingly, that there must be some kind of God. And y'all, this just makes sense. I mean, when you get a Whataburger number two meal, someone made it, right? It doesn't create itself. The house you're living in, someone made it. It didn't create itself. The car you drove in tonight to get here, somebody made it. It didn't make itself. The clothes you're wearing, someone made it. They didn't make themselves. The trees, the grass, and the shrubs that are growing in your yard, something made it. They didn't make themselves. Nothing ever does, including the universe. If the Big Bang happened, and in the 21st century there is essentially no scientist who denies this, then the cause of the universe must be a spiritual being of some kind. Let that sink in. I'm not making this up. This is why Robert Jastrow who is now deceased, but was the founder of NASA's Goddard Institute and was himself a proclaimed agnostic regarding religious matters, made the following comment, and I quote, Astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation. That there are what I or anyone else would call supernatural forces at work uh, is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. Y'all, God exists, science has proven it, and that makes religion simple. You could clap there if you wanted to. This is unbelievable. But even if God exists, that's not enough to make a personal difference for you and me. For the existence of God to matter to us personally, we have to be able to relate to this God. And this leads to the second thing I want to say about faith. Number two, you can be confident God is personal. Once again, I don't have to have the Bible to prove this. Science and philosophy have logically reasoned to it. There are four characteristics that science and philosophers deduce about whatever caused the Big Bang. And just by the way, some people call this God of creation the uncaused cause, right? So four things about this uncaused cause. First of all, the uncaused cause, scientists tell us, must be infinite and spiritual in nature. There was nothing material that could have caused material to come into being. It couldn't come into being yet. It has to be spiritual. 
Secondly, the uncaused cause must be unimaginably powerful to create something out of nothing. Thirdly, the uncaused cause must be supremely intelligent to know how to do this. But fourthly, and here's what really matters for you and me, the uncaused cause must also be personal to choose as an act of the will to create or to convert nothing into something. So how do we know if the uncaused cause is personal? Every person has three qualities, mind, will, and emotion. If the cause of the universe is personal, then the uncaused cause must also have these three qualities. Science has proven that he has mind and will, but the Bible shows us the heart of God. Just one example is in the Bible, early in the Old Testament, where the Lord says that he was grieved that he made man on the earth and that his heart was filled with pain. Grief and pain are emotions and they are ascribed to God. If his science proves and the Bible corroborates the creator of the universe is a person, then it is possible for you and me to relate to him. And y'all, this has astounding implications for our lives. Imagine if the God of the universe is on your side. You could never lose another pickup football game. Ever. How good could your life be if the maker of the universe is for you? Yet even if God exists and can be related to, this still doesn't guarantee that God will help us with our problems. To do that, God actually has to care about us. And this is where the Bible plays the key role in revealing the nature of this uncaused cause. Because it shows us the third thing that I believe about God, and it's this. You can be confident that God loves you because he has proven it in Jesus. This is what the apostle John wrote. He said, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Y'all listen, because I'm pretty sure some of you aren't really aware of this. God's very nature is love. The God of the universe is for you. And John said that this is not just a statement. He has proven it because he gave Jesus so that you and I can live through him. Look, whether you're a skeptic who is thinking about walking away from God, or if you're on a search for God, there is one thing we all need. We all need life because there's one problem we all have, and that problem is that we face death. Death is no respecter of persons. Death doesn't care if you're a religious person or a religious skeptic or a religious seeker or a committed atheist. Whoever you are and whatever you believe and whatever your lifestyle, you have a date with death. Don't you? 
But John said that God has done something about our date with death. He said, this is why the gospel is so powerful when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Y'all, God has solved our greatest problem in the cross of Jesus. Jesus died so that we don't have to. And he proved that we can have life by rising from the dead. Jesus is religion made simple. And that's why Jesus said to a woman who lost her brother in a premature death, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked this woman to whom he was speaking, do you believe this? So you want to be new? You're on a search for God. You want to thrive. You want your life to change. The writers of the Bible drew a direct line between sin and death. And that's why Jesus is religion made simple. He changed all of that whenever he died and rose again. And he offers you and me life. Now, I know that what I've said today in one sense isn't simple. Science isn't simple. Philosophy isn't simple. What's the law of causality? Astronomy isn't simple. What's redshift light? But religion can be. If you believe that the God of the universe has shown his love for you in Jesus, do you believe this? If you do, then I want to invite you to put your faith and confidence in Jesus. And let me tell you why. Faith allows you and me to freely enjoy all the benefits of a relationship with the creator of the universe. And so if you're open to God and you believe the things that I've said today, but you've never received Jesus as your own personal savior, don't get confused. The first thing that matters is placing your faith in him. And so I want to ask us to have a moment right now. I want to ask you to close your eyes just to allow the person around you to have privacy. That's all this is for. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you want to because you believe in him, would you just raise your hand? and hold it high, and leave it there. Thank you. And I want to lead us in a prayer of faith. That's awesome, a number of you. Let me pray with you, and as I pray, you pray something similar to this, to God. God, we believe (laughs) that you exist. Everything around us that science can observe tells us that it's so. And we thank you for making it so clear that even an agnostic like Robert Jastrow would say you exist. Lord, we believe that. Lord, we thank you that you're also personal and that we can relate to you. 
because that makes all the difference. And Lord, we thank you that you've proven that you care about us and you want a relationship with us by giving Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sin so that we don't have to die. And so, Lord, right now, those who have raised their hands here for the first time, I pray for them as they put their faith in Jesus and depend on him and put all their confidence in him for eternal life. I pray, Lord, that you would assure them of the reasonableness and the simplicity of what they are doing because Jesus is religion made simple. Lord, for those of us who have known you for many years now and did this many years ago, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Even as Josie talked about in the video, we thank you for your love for us and the many ways you express it. Lord, we believe in you. And we put all our confidence in you for eternity. And we pray this in your name. And everyone said together, amen. Next week, here's what we're going to do is this mini-series, we bring it to a kind of a conclusion. We're going to ask the question, if we, through our faith, benefit from a relationship with God, then how should others benefit from their relationship with us? We're going to answer that question next week. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. Have a great week.